What the fuck is you know, wrong with you people? <laughs> Living in the most advanced society in the history of civilization. You've got to be fucking kidding me. But you know how... And, and it's, not, it's not like they're fucking slinging burgers either, by the way. Right. They're making hundreds of yeah. thousands of dollars a year right. to talk about how oppressed they are. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Cast Iron Brains, a podcast that started out as a nice little down-home mom-and-pop operation. Just a couple of guys with little garden spades shoveling out scoops of this and that from ever deeper in the cavernous and seemingly endless great internet content mall. Just a nice little community sitting around our glowing bright rectangles, these pocket-sized supercomputers, enjoyably chatting the hours away as the brain iron did its diligent work on our pesky gray and pink wrinkles. But we wanted to expand, to reach more people, to grow the family, to broaden our community. We hired thousands of people to manage our increasingly unwieldy staff of low-skill content maw miners, a workforce whose size and output is rivaled only by a couple of the globe's largest standing ar armies. And, not that I have to recount this for you, and in so doing, we quickly became the world's single largest producer and distributor of audio content, producing thousands of hours of glorious listening every month, often reaching as many as two and a half billion ears every single week. But somewhere along the way, we, we may have lost what made it all tick, the secret sauce that made us what we are, that brought all of us together. To be clear, that is not an admission of guilt, and Brain Iron Inc. is in no way admitting responsibility for the 17 team members who lost their lives in last week's unfortunate content mall mining explosion. And once all the bodies have been identified, the insurance claims will be filed, and the families will all receive the appropriate death benefits. As it should be. Just know that we're here, we're listening, and we're trying to get better every day. My name is Bob. Sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How you doing, Lori? I'm here, too. Are you referring to Chrissy Teigen? I don't think so. Oh, but, cool. But maybe. Art. You know, I don't want to dictate... Uh, I don't want to dictate terms of how people choose to interpret my art. I'd rather <laughs> the world decide okay, what it. it's about. I just w I didn't think you were. I just wasn't sure. So, so for Lori, I was talking about Chrissy Teigen. No, for me, I had to ask what you were talking about. I don't assume things because I'm not an asshole. She's still in... Uh... Today is <laughs> <Some> Tuesday, <laughs> June 15th, 2021. As uh, as the home viewers who are uh, watching the live stream, all of you uh, secret, all the secret patrons who pay us fifteen hundred dollars a month for the privilege of the of the live cut of the show, uh, you can see that we've moved into a new space yeah. down here in the basement. Looks nice. <laughs> well worth the money. See my semi-finished basement over my shoulder. You can see Lori's dead grandmother over her shoulder. Staring longingly into Lori's forehead. The important thing to know about that is that it's like a painting reproduction of a photograph. It's like not a real painting. Oh, so it was an actual picture someone took and then they 
use that to draw. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah. No, like they drew over it, I think. Oh, is that frowned upon in the... It's uh... very weird. Okay. She was a very vain person. <laughs> it's a nice picture. Where I get it from. <laughs> we, uh, we're going to record last night, but I was setting up the new studio all day yesterday, so I didn't have time to prepare for the show. And by new studio, I mean I moved the computer down into the basement. Uh, so, it, you know. New studio. Took a lot out of me. Hey, I didn't ask you. I mean, I asked you how you were doing, but then I just started prattling on about my own life. But, hey, how are you doing? Or, or should I should I ask, how are you really doing, Abe? I'm doing well, Bob. How dare you? Well, you know, I just want to give you an opportunity to express what it's like to live your constant life of suffering and trauma that I know that we're all dealing with these days. You don't days. ask me that. Well, you know. Well, you know, since you've given me the floor i did have a, a moment of shame over the weekend uh <laughs> so i get a uh, product from amazon the big company right and the billionaires trying to leave our planet they should look into that uh the product doesn't work it's some sort of charger and it doesn't seem to work on my phone i think maybe it's a dead charger i get a replacement that too does not work so i'm thinking okay somebody lied to me doesn't matter i start the process to return the product. And you can return the product at an Amazon locker, among other places. And right. <laughs> so this is where it gets stupid. So I say, okay, I'm going to return it at this Amazon locker. It gives me instructions. It's inside this building next to this store. Go. I put on my headphones, and I'm listening to something, so I'm just mindlessly going about this task. I go to the exact location, and there is a there's a locker area, but it doesn't say Amazon. But I'm thinking, no matter, they probably contracted a third party. I'll just follow the instructions, press the buttons, open the lock, put it in, and forget about it. I do that, and then I go home, and two days later, a dry cleaners calls me, and they're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> Why do we have? <laughs> did you want us to dry clean these uh, chargers? I'm like, oh no, no. How did? First of all, how did the dry cleaner get your so, telephone number? I was trying to yada yada past the where I, I continued in, in, on the wrong path. So there's like a phone number that says if you text us, we'll give you confirmation that we received it. So I text them, <laughs> and it said something cleaners, and I'm like, no mind. <laughs> I'm sure Amazon knows what's going on. So they're like, uh, this is like, this is like the, the moment in the last season of Breaking Bad when there's the vacuum uh, repair service yeah. that Walter uses to disappear himself. Yeah. And what you've done is you've inadvertently set something up where you're going to be disappeared to like Iowa to run a Cinnabon in a mall. I wish it was that. It was basically just for whatever reason I was locked in to that this has to be. You're trusting Amazon. Amazon's I get it. locker, but they're using this. Amazon knows wait, wait. what so, to do. So I don't understand how it is that you have a code that opens a thing. So that's that, why that all worked. Was it was the code one two three four? No, or it was something. But I, I think they had a similar <laughs> method where it will, I guess, accept any code where it'll open it. But you can't once you put in the product and close it, you can't reopen it again. So gotcha. I think, may, you know, maybe they have a low standard to open, but you, you have to go through an extra hoop to, to reopen it. Anyways, 
I use the text confirmation thing. They say some sort of dry cleaner. And I say, you know, they're like, we don't recognize this number, so create an account. So I created an account. <laughs> I left my phone number. <laughs> it was like, at that point, I was like, boy, <laughs> if this is not Amazon, I'm going to look like an idiot. Uh, and, and sure enough, <laughs> but at that point, I couldn't do anything about it. I can't reopen it. So basically, it's just like, I'll find out in two days. If I look at my app, if it shows that they got the product back, great success. If I get a call from someone else, great shame. It was a ladder. Is that a moment? The moment that the dry cleaner calls you up and is like, what the fuck do you want me to do precisely to this electronic device? Do you start playing up the, like, fresh off the boat thing? Like, do you, do you, because that's a moment for you to take advantage of the last name and the, and the you know. So I did not stoop to that. Start, start othering yourself just so that you can deflect the shame. I did not stoop to that level. I... I copped to what happened. I was like, there was an oversight. I think I went to the wrong locker. <laughs> Come to what? You didn't explain there, that to them. There was an oversight. <laughs> Not <laughs> mistakes were made. <laughs> but w- while I was driving there, I was like, you know, it's easy to, to admit to things over the phone, but I have to physically walk in to a dry cleaner's. Right. And this is like some immigrant family. <laughs> Some Greeks, you know, from back in the day, some old guy. Right. Didn't, uh, and, and I was like, maybe I should put on my mask to kind of hide from, you know, <laughs> just hide so your th- shame. <laughs> yeah. But then I decided, I guess, and like, no, I fucked it up. I'm just going to take whatever. I'm going to own this. Yeah, whatever comes my way. When I get there, they just kind of laughed about it. And I'm like, if you need any dry cleaner, you know, come to us, you know. Right. So they were gentle, but I was like, whew. <laughs> and at least they were honest enough to, like, you know, Call and say get your shit. Yeah, so good. They on. didn't try to flip it or, or like sell it back to you or something. That's good. Well, thank you for indulging us with this tale of your your personal recent trauma. Uh, I experienced some trauma as well recently. Oh, which has driven me to try to unify a bunch of news stories into one rubric. This doesn't sound like personal trauma. Yeah, the personal trauma of trying to order Burger King the other night. Oh. Like it was in person or like through an app? Oh, wait. I will can I preface? Okay. Please. So 2 years ago, we took the kids to an amusement park and King's at, Dominion. King's Dominion. It's great. I grew up going there. It was time to go home. We didn't want to get amusement park food for dinner. All right. For some reason, <laughs> Burger, Burger King, King was more attractive. The reason was that we were like trying to leave the park anyway. We were trying to leave. It, the place was. It was closing. It was busy. It was, it was dinner time. It yeah. was closing down. Like there was no reason to stay in the park. Yeah. So we like went to Burger King, and it took like twenty minutes or something. Oh, it was way longer. Was than it 20 was minutes. so long. A special like, order. The, the no, they just were poorly managed. Okay. And Bob said, I'm never going to Burger King again. Then we spent all day, two years later, we spent all day Sunday watching tennis. And in the tennis was Burger King commercials. Was there? Like the chicken uh, thing? Why do you think you wanted Burger King? I will King? tell you why. Oh, I Bob is above that sort of influence, uh, his, his position. That's yeah. right. It, has nothing, it had nothing to do with those commercials. The, what, what, I, what I'm not above is the same thing we talked about a couple weeks ago. Trying things. Which is where the candy, the, the 
vicious and brilliant and devious marketers at the candy companies produce new products to stick at the end of the grocery store aisle to trick you into buying stuff that you wouldn't ordinarily buy. Burger King, with their new chicken sandwiches. Chicken. Yeah. Their 900-calorie chicken sandwiches. Wow. Their entry, as they would. Oh, my God. Goodness. 900 calories. For the meal or just the... Sandwich. For just no, the just, sandwich. Just the fucking sandwich is 900 calories. Um, anyway, Bob wanted to try the chicken sandwich. He didn't want to eat it. He just wanted to try it. And uh, That's not what I'm... I'm not <laughs> pretending like I wasn't going to eat the whole he thing. He said, that for was... dinner, do you want to try the Burger King chicken sandwich? <laughs> Did he use a tag from the commercial? <laughs> so, <laughs> You'll no. feel good. But How dare you? I was not influenced is, by the fucking tele- by the the television commercials. The point is, we ordered on the app. Which, side note, if you order the chicken sandwich, you get a free Whopper. Oh. So, like, I'll have a Whopper, oh. thanks, um, for free. So, we place the order, and then Bob goes to pick it up. That's the preface okay. to the story. Preface to the story is that I have previously sworn off Burger King, and I have abided by that swearing off for the last two years. And I gave them a second chance and and uh, never again, Abe, is what I'm telling you now. So because two, two more years. So I placed the. I, Fool me once. I placed the order, and first of all, the weird thing that I notice is that this is like five thirty, and I. It was pull, six o'clock. Bullshit! I know exactly when it was. It was five thirty, and. Lori's going back to check. I have, like, email documentation from Burger King that confirms all of this. At 5.30, I'm looking at the app, and it says, we close at 6 o'clock. I was like, whoa, that's very strange. What sort of a restaurant closes at 6 o'clock? Is there some local holiday but, on Sunday? What's, that, that is an unusual closure. Right. Well, I think perhaps this speaks to a larger problem of uh, fast food and low-wage staffing that's uh, – Affecting a lot of the economy oh, these days. Oh, I see. But I know I know nothing about that. It might be that. It might be something else. Maybe this Burger King just has a weird thing about closing at six o'clock on Sundays. I don't know. I don't care, and I will never find out because I'm never dealing with these people again. Anyway, so I'm like, well, I got to do this now. And like, if it had been five fifty-five and we closed at six o'clock, then forget it. I would have been like, oh, I missed my chance. Yeah. That's a bummer. I'm not the person who pulls up to the restaurant as the waitress is putting tables up on the on the bar top and I I point at the clock and it says 9:45 kitchen <laughs> kitchen open till 10 and it's only 9:45 and I open and I I open up the menu and I'm like fire up the fryer assholes because it says you're open right I'm not that guy but, but 5:30 in a high volume sort of restaurant like a fast food place would normally be Half an hour before close, I didn't feel bad. I placed the order. Order was confirmed by the restaurant at 541. And it said, uh, it's just come to the drive-thru. The app, the app says, come to the drive-thru when you get here and uh, tell them that you ordered mo- on mobile and they'll hand you your food and you'll be good to go. Because I paid right. using Google, whatever, on the phone. Yeah, And I get there. And there are two yellow cones blocking the drive-thru entrance. And so I said, oh, that's weird. Maybe there's something wrong here with the drive-thru. So I, I back up and I park in the parking lot there. And I go up to the door and it says, sorry, lobby closed. Please go to the drive-thru. Uh-uh. 
And so I, I walked back around to the drive-thru just to, like, convince myself that, oh, maybe I missed the actual drive-thru and the yellow cones were blocking some sort of secondary secret drive-thru or something like that. I don't know. But no, the drive-thru was blocked. So I walked back to the door and I pull on it just to, I do the, yeah. is it really right. locked thing, you know? And I get the attention by pulling on the door of a guy who's standing behind the counter wiping the cash register with his headphones in or his like the, yeah, yeah. the drive through drive set in. And he looks at me and he gives me the kind yeah, of shrug yeah. like the Read the room, buddy. All signs point to close. And I, I held up I, I held up my phone and he's like he kind of nods and he gives me the shrug <laughs> again. I was like, okay. I think I know the score here. <laughs> Uh, so these assholes closed the store half an hour early and we're just going to write off like you know whatever comes in like okay. I guess we can't turn off internet ordering but like so something happens the doors are locked the drive through is closed they'll complain on the app and be done with it so the most likely scenario is that there are sh either short staff or just they yes, ran out of stuff everywhere here is yeah. everywhere there were, there, there were two people in the restaurant. Yeah, there, that was the closing crew. The fact that they're closing the restaurant at six is insane right. for a place that serves food for dinner. And like eight, sure. And they were closed before but then. If I mean, they can't afford to pay people. Right. It wasn't six. It was actually five thirty. Right. You, just, you or called who knows, me at five five o'clock. Now, Bob, you can't give them a mulligan on this. I mean, this is. Uh, extenuating circumstances you know people are coming back from the pandemic just give them one more chance what are the chances that they fuck up a third time it should be like baseball three strikes and you're out i have no interest like so that's the thing i mean they're going to have to at some point in the future produce another seemingly irresistible new product that i just feel or compelled I'll just buy to one try and bring it home and you'll have no choice i have power too yeah, sure. You can feed yourself all the Burger King you want, lady. I know. So this boycott, is that why you wouldn't even eat an extra burger or so, chicken? And, and I don't want to – I'm not mad at the assholes who decided – so for, for one thing, I am a little bit mad at them, but not from the perspective of the aggrieved customer, but from the perspective <laughs> – of the aggrieved former pizza delivery driver who worked for a manager who would pull this shit every single night and take money out of my pocket every single night. So when I first left Papa John's to go to, took some time off and then went to Domino's. Right. Had a baby. No, no. This is when oh, I went yeah, back to yeah, Domino's yeah, yeah, to be yeah, a driver. Yeah. I didn't want to be a manager. I was done with the managing thing. I just wanted to drive, make a hundred bucks a night, go home, be done with it. And and that was fine, except that there was this guy who he might as well go nameless, but his name was fucking Phil. And Phil <laughs> liked nothing about working in a pizza restaurant. Uh, but he did it for some reason and For the money, I assume. He was I assume for the money, he was just high all of the time. I don't know how working at the Domino's supported any aspect of his life besides constantly being high. And I, I cannot, I'm not overstating that. He was just high as balls all of the time. And I imagine it soaked up all of his disposable money, which is fine. That's sort of what you come to expect in that business, uh, 
depending on the situation. They don't drug test managers. Well, whatever. At that time, they didn't constantly drug test managers <laughs> anyway. But this asshole, starting at like 9 o'clock on a night that we're closing at 11, would just start telling people, oh, no, sorry, uh, uh, delivery's closed. You got to do pickup. Or he would start saying things like, oh, no, sorry, uh, computers are down. Seriously? Uh yeah, like he would just turn customers wow. down. He would get, or he would go through the whole order, and then he would be like, "Okay, what's your address?" And he'd be like, "Oh no, sorry, we don't go to that neighborhood." It's like, man, I'm standing right here <laughs> with my thumb up my ass, waiting to take any goddamn pizza delivery. Just let's do it. And it's not like, it's not like it's because he was so dedicated to closing the restaurant and getting it spick and span clean, and so we'd be there until two in the morning right. cleaning everything. No, he would take a mop bucket and just kind of throw water all over the floor and then squeegee it into a nearby drain, and we'd be walking out the door at 11.02. Whether he was making the fucking pizzas for me to deliver or not, like it didn't actually material right. effect, materially affect anything about our night except for the fact that I didn't make any goddamn money. And you, you weren't the only so, driver, or were oh, you? Oh, no, at that point... So this is the bad days before I took over that Domino's, when this is a store that is doing, like, $6,000 a week max at that time. Wow. Like, just doing basically no business. Right. And for good reason, because these fucking idiots would just turn down business left and right, for one thing. So that's the pers- that, that is from one perspective that I'm mad about employees who close businesses down before they should, because it costs the people who work their money potentially not burger king not, nobody's yeah. delivering pizza from the burger king but i wonder do, do people think less of like an online order like i didn't talk to this person so i'm not beholden to make the food for them so fuck them like you think that i don't know but if we had just gone there instead of placing the order they probably would have been closed yeah right they would have been fake closed, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the so, lobby like, was it closed and the, and the cones were up and you weren't allowed to get into the Burger King no matter what you did. You just got the, the yeah. shrug from the guy behind the counter. Which, believe me, I get it. He's probably making $9 and something an hour right. and a job just sucks. The point is, because there is a point here, it's not just me bitching about <laughs> the fact that I didn't get Burger King on Sunday night. Burger King is... Uh, way too fucking big. And that's that's the thesis of tonight's episode, which is that everything is just way too fucking big. And Burger King is a sterling example of what's wrong with the franchise model here in the United States. Popularized, of course, by... Not invented by McDonald's, but certainly most successfully implemented... You can watch a movie about it. By the McDonald's. Founder. Oh, yeah. And Burger King has no interest in limiting the number of stores that any individual franchisee can own. So s- some of these uh, Burger King owners own hundreds and hundreds of stores. There are some owners that dominate whole markets. So I was reading about this one guy who owns every Burger King in the greater Dallas area. Wow. He, own- he also owns like 50 Arby's in Dallas and like all of Dallas's CC's pizzas. Guy's a maniac wow. for shitty low cost food. But anyway, Burger King is like 99.5% franchised at this point. They have basically no corporate Burger King stores. They, they no longer exist. They, Burger King is just a, a shell marketing outfit at this point to whom all of the franchisees pay dues in the form of 
who knows what it is. Probably, yep. it's usually between like four and seven percent of sales that Burger King franchise or that any franchise has to kick back up to corporate. But there's, it's not the only way to do it. And so, just as an, not that this is a commercial for Chick Fil A, but Chick Fil A generally only allows one owner, an owner to own a single franchise, and so that owner generally has to work in the store they only and the downside is that they only make a couple of hundred grand a year as an owner of a chick-fil-a it's not like you can build some sort of a giant business uh, empire off of owning a chick-fil-a unlike a lot of these other franchises where if you're a domino's the domino's that i worked for that guy owned 40 something stores and in that way he had you know, 40 general managers working for him at the store level and do 40 times three or four to get the number of assistant managers that he had. And then 40 times 18 or whatever to round out the number of average drivers and in-store workers at, at his Domino's stores to get the total number of employees. You're saying that the quality decreases if you have more franchise stores? That's always the assumption, for sure. Like, whenever your favorite restaurant opens a second location, you get a little worried. Okay, because... You're like, uh-oh. Now that guy won't be there. They're spreading sure themselves thin. Okay. It's not even... It's not just that. It's the fact that what you can do is you can build a layer of management that allows these places to be run by people who only make nine or ten or twelve dollars an hour like the general manager at i was looking this up online so i don't know how reliable it is but a lot of these employment websites have the average salaries of different positions at different companies and the the general manager position at a domino's pays like less than thirteen dollars an hour on average apparently and that's like the highest paid worker who's at the store level. So you walk into a, a Burger King, and if you're in a state where the minimum wage is at the federal level, it's seven twenty-five an hour. A lot of places you're at, at 9 or $10 an hour. You ask to talk to the manager, and it's somebody who's only making like $36,000 right. a year or right. something like that. This is a person with no power except for the power to take your shit. Yeah. Like that's the, the, the whole job of that person is to stand there and take the abuse of the customer so that the district manager who runs five stores, so that the area manager who runs a collection of 25 stores doesn't have to hear about the shit. Right. So that ultimately the owner who's just taking a small cut out of this at the end of the day, but because he has 400 fucking Burger Kings, if he takes a small cut from 400 Burger Kings, which he's always going to get, it's not always necessarily a question of profit. Right. He's going to pull his end out no matter what. Right. And he has no interest whatsoever in making sure that any single one of those interactions between customer and employee matter at all. Yeah, like the problem with owning that many is that when you have that many things, none of them have to be good. Right. Like, you just have them. And a few of them will always, right. based on the location and other factors, will, will still pull decent sales. And then you can just overlook all the shitty ones that are underperforming. Yeah, like Bob's Domino's was the only profitable one. The but one it didn't on campus? Matter. Like the main? Bob's Domino's okay. was the only profitable one. Right, yeah. By the, I mean, not the only profitable one. I was the only one making any serious amount of money for that franchise for a little while. And it helped, well, not the, I was the only one in the state. There were another couple of stores in South Carolina that were doing well, but the 
point is, is that as long as all of them are operating at bare minimum levels, the owner is still pulling money out of those stores every single month right. and, and making a tidy profit, and none of the rest of it matters. And the and I have a whole fucking book in me about this if I ever get around to writing it. But the interesting thing is the extent to which the the incentives for making things better at the store level are are almost non-existent for management outside of the store because of what I'm saying. Right. Because if you can, it's a machine that just makes money, and it doesn't have to make a lot of money if you own enough of them. And that there are, there is a way if you do it if you run a store the way that I was running a store to make a lot of money. But that also requires somebody at the store level who's willing to absolutely bust their ass right. and and knows what they're doing uh, to make that happen. And those people just don't come along very often. Well, and you said before, it's the kind of thing that if you can find someone good enough to do that, they're too good to be doing it. Like, they should not do that. Right. They should go do something better. Right. right. Everybody who ever worked in a pizza place with me who made life worth living at that pizza place and that sounds that sounds dramatic <laughs> and overstated but like oftentimes working at one of these places with 30 or 40 people there's only like one who gets you through a shift at and any that's given time Abe. Uh, yeah back in <laughs> 2005 or whatever it was that was abe for me at the uh, at the east side store that, that's why i always wanted and to, to who drive. was it for you abe yeah <laughs> just because the thing is, with your being inside, being a manager, I did that in high school, and I was like, boy, as soon as I'm old enough to, <laughs> to drive, that's the move, because no matter what nonsense happens in the store, you can just leave, but, you know, it, it was fun. Right, and it, what's funny is that, so by, by the time that I was wrapping up my time there, it was becoming increasingly clear that, with because it was at the time that the... Obamacare stuff was all going into effect. So anybody who was going to be over, I forget what they were doing. There was some, there was some threshold. There was a a number of hours and the number of employees and how often they worked and how much they worked affected whether or not the employer had to offer them health insurance. And the health insurance, by the way, sucked ass anyway. Um, In terms, it was like super fucking expensive. High deductible. And, Right, high deductible. It was expensive for the employee. It was also, I mean, to be fair, it was also an expense to the employer, an added expense that they didn't previously have. By the time that my time there was wrapping up, we weren't supposed to have any full-time employees. Like, we didn't want a driver who was scheduled for more than 30 hours a week because if they consistently got over that 32-hour-a-week mark, they would become eligible for for the health insurance stuff. And so the plan was to just hire like literally double the size of your staff so that nobody was scheduled for more than 20 hours a week. And the plan the plan was literally to just increase churn. Right. You did not want employees who would be there long term. And what's funny is I was reading a piece and I didn't share these with you and I'm sorry, but I read like four different very long pieces today that made their way around the internet including one about Amazon, there was one about Airbnb, and there was something else too, I don't remember. But there's this quote from this Amazon piece, and I'll put it in the show notes. It says, Amazon's founder didn't want hourly workers to stick around for long, viewing a disgruntled workforce as a threat. 
uh, so-and-so recalled. Company data showed that most employees became less eager over time, he said, and Mr. Bezos believed that people were inherently lazy. What he would say is that our nature as humans is to expend as little energy as possible to get what we want or need. That conviction was embedded throughout the business, from the case of instant ordering to the pervasive use of data to get the most out of employees. So guaranteed wage increases stopped after three years, and Amazon provided incentives for low-skilled employees to leave. Every year, Mr. Palmer saw signs going up offering associates thousands of dollars to resign, and as he entered this one facility each morning, he passed a classroom for free courses to train them in other fields. So Amazon doesn't want its employees to stick around for more than a couple of years because the longer a group of people stick around for in a job like that, the more they believe that they have an ownership claim in the goings-on. The more they believe they're part of what's going on and they should benefit from the great wealth that's being accumulated by the company. But, and what's also interesting, and it's a, it's a big piece, it's from the New York Times and it's worth reading, uh, he also, the same guy was talking about how Bezos, or there was, a, there was a philosophy there that they wanted to hire the best people directly out of college into their management program, that they didn't want to promote from within because they thought that they could get better people by hiring from, they, they could fill the C-suite with people who were made for the C-suite, right? With professionals who just paid uh, $50,000 a year to go to college to to get these sorts of management positions rather than promoting for, from within. So literally just two different pools of talent. One is just to do the grunt work and, and they'll set it up in such a way to where you'll want people to just leave after a while. Uh, and then the other group for the important high paying positions will come from somewhere else. So they're already saying these people are, ne you know, there's a ceiling two years or whatever, or a position level. And then hopefully they'll go somewhere else. So <laughs> it's almost like a codified class system. It sounds that like says, a weird Brave New World thing. Right. That says this type of person who would take this job does not belong in this other class of right. person who would do this right. job. No matter how good they prove to be at doing the grunt work of, of walking the aisles and filling the the boxes and and picking stuff off of the conveyor belt, they will never, there's no translation between that ability to our management level team. And so we're not going to bother. We'll just hope that they grow so tired of working here after three or five years that they'll go somewhere you else. You know, I didn't read the article yet, but just listening to what you're saying, it kind of makes sense now, some of their policies, because they're creating an environment where you'll want to quit. Isn't Amazon the company that had it to where they're, they're so focused on time management that if you go to the bathroom for too long or if, if yeah. you're you know, working and you have to pee on yourself, then so be it. On one hand, it's like that seems to be a needlessly cruel way to treat your workers. But if your whole strategy is to, to burn people out, that would be one way to do it. I mean, most companies, it seems like that's just natural. Like, you know, Waffle House is a ceiling. There's only so much you can do before you burn out of there. Uh, same thing, I guess, with driving. You know, if your car turns into shit, then you can't drive anymore. But like Amazon, you would think that they would want, you know, every company has a stupid, this person started from 
wherever and look at them now. I mean, even at the not every company, yeah, apparently. even at the not Amazon, even like at the uh, in the government side, like you know, some lowly whatever they started in the mail room and look at them now. They're whatever, like everybody wants that story. So you would think that they would, however cynically, like let one through the rank, you know. It's, Right, but how old is Amazon? Amazon is 25 years old, yeah. right? So they have, at the C-suite level, it, at management level, they have all of those stories already in place. But they came right? through like so some they, <laughs> fancy school, you know, they went to... Right, except that 25 years ago, they were working, they were the first, one of the first 22 employees oh, or whatever who was... I like, I, I spent my time working in Jeff's fucking garage on the weekends, so I, you know, I, I paid my dues. They have all of those stories built in. It's not like, this isn't a hundred-year-old company, right? So yeah, in a hundred years, maybe they won't have that cute little marketing thing. But at the same time, if they employ, they, they hired... Over a quarter million people or something over the course of the last right. year. They hired like 300,000 people. If they just promote two, right. <laughs> then, then they can have those stupid stories. And it's, so it's not completely out of the question that they promote from within. It's just that the overwhelming majority of management positions are filled from the outside. So they must not be – I guess – I mean, who's kidding who? Amazon's doing great. Uh, but they're not concerned that their brand will take a hit. If these stories continue, like after a while, people like it doesn't matter how much they're saving or how convenient it is. If it's like these workers are peeing on adult in adult diapers and to to get your charger that doesn't work to arrive in. A yeah, but what are you, what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Not fly Boeing jets at some point in the future because you disagree with the management practices? No, no, no. There's a tipping when, point when you're a functional when you're a functional monopoly. Right. You're going to continue to grow in the market, even as you treat people worse and right. worse. It doesn't matter. The politics is all shunted aside because uh, people are going to do with their dollars what they're going to do with their dollars, and uh, typically, what they're going to do with their dollars is the easiest thing. Right. I mean, the biggest driver I would imagine for most people's decision making is cost, and the second one is convenience. And so, if you hit those two points, they'll overlook the occasional mistreatment of employees. I'm not saying that technology has made everything worse, although it demonstrably has. What I am saying is that these humongous and impenetrable systems are dehumanizing by virtue of their size. And I don't think you have to look very far to see how that happens, whether it's an Amazon. You read this Amazon piece. It's very long, but another little anecdote from it is this guy who got COVID, and Amazon did everything that they could, according to Amazon, to try to make sure that people were treated right as this was all happening. And uh, the problem is that most of Amazon's human resources is now done by, like, literally done by chatbot, by, by, because they're just way too fucking right. big. So it's not like you can actually, you don't know your manager. You've never probably seen your manager, except sometimes the guy in the neon vest happens to walk through the warehouse floor right. or something twice during your shift. There's just way too many of them. And so this guy gets COVID and he has, he suffers extensive brain damage and his wife is getting calls where his his employment and benefits are being threatened because he's gotten jumbled up in the system and she can't get through to talk to an actual human being to explain, no, he's like uh, probably never going to recover. He has brain damage from having had COVID and uh, he won't be coming back to work, which is not to say 
that uh, you're allowed to like take him off of the benefits at this right. point or anything like that. So, but like he he needs to be categorized differently. Right. But because the systems are way too large, it makes it functionally impossible. So they just think that he's just slacking off and missing work while he's like dying from a virus. Right, right. And there's another there's another guy who had to take a leave for some sickness or something and goes to reinstate his employment, which, of course, he can't actually talk to a manager because the company's way too fucking big. And something gets jumbled up in the software and it, like, it fires him. And, wow. <laughs> and so he starts sending off emails saying, no, I don't want to be fired. I want to continue working for Amazon. I didn't do anything wrong. Right. And like the end of the story is he's just never heard back. He just his last unreturned email was there's been a terrible mistake and he's just never heard from right. them again. Uh, so it's a mistake was and, made and Amazon's willing to live with that. They're like, fuck it. <laughs> it didn't work exactly. Right. Because like best case scenario, they don't want this guy working there for more than three or five years right. anyway. So why would they they don't right. care at that point? I mean, as stupid as it is, look at Facebook. There are two billion or something regular users of that awful app and website and not one of them will own up to blocking you right and it would be insane of me to expect to be able to talk to an actual human being who can explain to me what happened with why the brainiron.com domain has been blocked by facebook it just will be in perpetuity forever for some reason and there's nothing that i can do about it there's nothing that i should even expect should be done about it. There are 2 billion users of that service. How many people would they have to employ to address the concerns of each and every one right. of us uh, in a, in a non-algorithmic or non-artificial way? I can't even begin to imagine. Twitter does this thing where it... I, I'm sure that you've seen this before. It says, you, you click on a tweet and there'll be some replies and then it will say, uh, show additional replies or... Some of these reply or or show additional replies which have offensive content. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll show me the offensive content, Twitter, and I click the button, and it's just like a completely innocuous response. That's it's like, oh, too bad for you, sad face emoji or whatever, and or or it's just like a, a helpful link to some other to trying to add context to what was said in this conversation above it's like why was this listed as right. offensive content and the reason is because the algorithm has given this person a bad social credit score essentially and it says this it's user likely has interacted yeah. right is interacted in the past in a negative way it's extremely like uh, communist china with your your social credit score that they plan, ruin. which is that Right. So they take instead of actually looking at the content of the reply, they just assume automatically that it's offensive and worth hiding because this person has been reported in the past or something because they got into a stupid back and forth on Twitter. It's just a completely dehumanizing process. And that goes for the stupid socials. It goes for Amazon, Facebook, Airbnb. It goes for the stupid Burger King uh, franchise where like the Best case scenario for me as a customer, if I'm going to complain further about the fact that I didn't get my stupid chicken sandwich on Sunday night, is that I get some sorry $9.50 an hour employee yelled at by his dis district supervisor, right. right? Like that's the end goal for me there. By the way, the charge was taken off the credit card. Right. I. Oh, you did it? I filed my complaint on the app, yeah. Oh, okay. You kept it general. You didn't uh, point out to the shrugging and all that stuff. Did 
Did you end up just going across the street and getting some McDonald's or something normal? I had frozen chicken nuggets and fish sticks. Yeah, I called Lori. I was like, "Oh no, the worst that's so happened." So the ban is. <laughs> the, right. Yeah, the, the ban is back in effect. Our worst fears have been realized. Uh, do you want like some Taco Bell or Hardee's or something? And she said no. <laughs> and so I went to Wegmans and got myself a sub, and it was delicious. Yeah. It was probably better than the stupid chicken sandwich at. at Burger King would have been. 900 calories, this chicken sandwich. I I can't get over it. Anyway, am I complaining about things just for the sake of complaint? You are a cranky pants tonight, and it makes me worry that you're not going to even publish this, and you're going to record again (laughs) tomorrow. I'm not a cranky pants. I'm perfectly perfectly content. It sounds like it. I don't think that I'm making this up. I think that these systems are are way too big and you're that absolutely right about all of it normal human beings cannot expect to have any normal human interactions within them and it's not like i i crave normal human interaction i want generally speaking as little human interaction as possible but the extent to which i am dehumanized by the fact of and i'm not even talking about the fact of using the burger king app instead of having to go into a restaurant and interact with another human being which i'm sure would largely be pleasant i try to be as overly friendly and not myself as possible when i'm interacting with uh, customer service representatives at that level because i am intimately familiar familiar with what life is like on that side of the counter it's not that at all it's the way that the whole process from ownership like from corporate overlord just the marketing arm of of big bk down to the franchisee level down to the next level of management and and down from there to there to there none of it is at all concerned with the human beings involved and it's it's strictly this this big way too big of a machine it's interesting that in the pursuit of more money you know naturally you're going to cut some corners to kind of be more competitive and it seems like human interaction is always a corner that's cut. And I always just thought that that was for the customers. But, like, it seems like human interaction is being cut internally, too, where a manager and an employee don't have a face-to-face relationship. I'm not talking about during the pandemic. You know, maybe things are different now. But, like, even before and, and after, there are people that are communicating to their manager through their phone and that's the extent of their interaction and that's weird right i don't think that that's good i don't know that i mean it it just sounds like a curmudgeonly sort of uh it's not good anti-tech it's good position to take but so much of the economy and the entire tech sector is devoted to this weird level of like frictionless non-human interact like 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 facilitating a completely frictionless society where people never actually have to interact with one another and yeah i don't i don't think that that's good all right so one more thing we do a couple of quick hits on everybody's favorite topic (laughs) media criticism before we move on out of here tonight jeffrey tubin has returned to cnn after (laughs) eight months in exile for having uh, accidentally exposed himself uh, while masturbating to his colleagues at the New Yorker. 
Now, th- that hadn't Which, been proven. He wasn't uh, pleasuring himself to his colleagues. He was doing a different task at the same time as... Sorry, I did not, I did not mean to imply <laughs> it, it was, that it, did, it was though. the New Yorker oh, colleagues who were giving him <laughs> the source material for his old man boner. Uh, that is not the case at all. Apparently, he was looking at something else. <laughs> Just not to be, not to besmirch the fine-looking people who all work for the New Yorker, of course, and their towering intellects, which can only serve to further engorge Mister Tubin's situation. I'm sure you, you can't control what but you like, you know. I've said this before, and I'll I'll happily say it again, which is that the primary condition for being a public figure in the culture. Maybe this has always been the case, but certainly it's the case right now. The The only thing that you have to have, really, is a voracious appetite for being absolutely humiliated. Or at least uh, a high tolerance for it, uh, just to absorb the shit. The hum- <laughs> it is the price of admission. I literally don't think that there's enough money that you could offer me to do the interview that he did. So it's bad enough, right? So obviously it's bad enough that you're a professional, seemingly serious person and you accidentally showed all of your colleagues <laughs> yourself jerking off. Like it's it's just it's almost inconceivable, right? Like I it's, think <laughs> it's Didn't we say like his career would basically ruin? I I mean, I'm surprised that he's been. What is the, what is this world that we have built where a person can do this by yeah. accident, right? Like that like it's just utterly humiliating. But so that's but that's not enough for Jeffrey Tubin, who must be it must be said he must be a weird no. fucking sex fiend who who gets off on being humiliated. It's the only okay. only acceptable explanation because he then goes on CNN the other day and I'll link to the interview in the show notes and like talks about it and how embarrassed he was and has to sit there while somebody interviews him and asks him what the hell were you thinking I think of Allison Camerata All right can I uh defend uh what my boy Tubin has done Now obviously this yes. is all after the masturbation right I can't defend that maybe it was like a technology thing like he thought he had strong command of the mute and the video off and he's old and he fucked something up and he was still being captured by video yes. and audio. Anyways, so that's the worst point, right, in his professional career, right? Hey, Tubin did the thing. How embarrassing. He uh, should be ashamed and he's gone. Now, he could just fuck off for the rest of his life. And then anytime someone mentions a name, they're not going to talk about how he wrote the book that became The People versus OJ or whatever, his legal analysis on CNN, they'll say, oh, he's the guy that jerked off. Now, he has another opportunity to change the narrative, maybe. Maybe there'll be a story that'll come out and his astute observation will uh, erase his uh, jerking off moment. It's highly unlikely that that... (laughs) (laughs) There is literally no... There is no book that he can write. He could... He will forever be the guy... Do you think because he's basically the only one, the only, the closest other one that we have 
in terms of a public figure who got caught doing like there was the guy who ran some literary magazine in Vegas or something who was in the bath and and like got on tape? like accidentally revealed himself. Wow. Um, I mean the biggest masturbation story he is Pee Wee, isn't it? Didn't he get caught like at some uh, theater? Right. So since yeah. since Pee Wee Herman, now we go like and but this was on video, right? So <laughs> But no one had I mean, seen like, the video, right? Uh, no, no, nobody. Some people saw it. I guess like Jelani Cobb or whoever is in the video. <laughs> like some, I'm sure they did the honorable thing and deleted and burned all records. You know, out they of deference. Didn't. Anyway, the point is that I cannot imagine coming back and enduring the humiliation, but it, okay. of suffering through it again. And I know the, that you're saying that it can't be worse than it was it eight be months worse. ago. And also the humiliation. This is like the most favorable. I don't know how he negotiated this, but basically for 10 minutes, he eats a little shit at 3 o'clock <laughs> on some random show. Not in prime time. No one is watching. I mean, I'm sure it's circulating you know, online. But It he, did some numbers online, I think <laughs> it's safe to say. But, but that's the way to do it. Just take it all in. Yes, I fucked up. There's no excuse. Anyways, O.J. Simpson or anyways, Trump's uh, <laughs> impeachment and you know, pivot. And now he can talk about and do other things. There was some stuff in the discourse about how a woman wouldn't have been able to come back from this or a black man. A woman wouldn't have done it. A that black man wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't have been able to come back from this. And I actually don't think, and I, maybe this is too obvious and on the nose take for me. I think that anybody could come back from this if they are willing to endure the abject humiliation ritual that is being in public life. That if, if there are, if you have a voracious enough appetite or a high enough tolerance to be less weird sex pest about it, for <laughs> this sort of humiliation, that's the, the only requirement. It's not about him being a, a white man who gets the ben benefit he's not of even the doubt that here. White, right? He's Jewish. He's right, so he's he's white. He's white enough. He's white passing, as they might say. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's all it is. The, the bottom right. line is that if you're willing to endure that level of humiliation, it doesn't matter the color of your skin. That and until it until Tubin came back, I thought no one could come back from this. So all the <laughs> he's a pioneer in the field. <laughs> <laughs> but good on him. I uh, I will say. I had uh, he he wrote his latest book like last year before the internet, um, and I was gonna pre-order it, and I never actually went ahead and purchased it. I was like, I'll wait until the dust settles, and now that it has, I'm gonna work it into my reading uh, later this year. It has, and I imagine it's a pretty substantial discount. <laughs> <laughs> it actually only went down like a dollar or so. I don't know what happened. What yeah. a stupid economy! But Co collector's yeah. item now. <laughs> You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob Nabe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head over to castironbrains.com. You can share the show with your friends that way. Just link them to castironbrains.com. If for some reason you want you want other people to know uh, what you're listening to. Opening and closing themes of the show are composed by Mark Gillig. We watched In the Heights this weekend. We did. Feel good movie of the summer. <laughs> Did you I, watch I watched, In the Heights, Abe? I watched it in the theater, and then I watched it Did again over the weekend. Did you feel good? Did it make you feel good? It was, you I, watched I, it twice. It made you feel so good. <laughs> I had some... Uh, 
I did a spot watch the second time because there were a few questions I had uh, when I watched it. But questions I liked you had. It. Yeah, I, I. It's fine. It 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 was a, a solid movie, not nearly as good as Hamilton, but it was a solid movie. Well, Hamilton and, wasn't a movie, so. Right, but I was just thinking, watching In the Heights, which by the way didn't do good, well in the theater for some reason, the box office, uh, which is whatever, but. I was thinking, like, why do I have this prejudice against musicals? You know, like, I should just do away with the I'm not a musical person. I mean, I've seen yeah. the Mormon no, everybody, one. Everybody, I was talking yesterday with someone, and they said they always think they don't like musicals until they're right. watching one. And they're like, oh, wait, I do it's like not so this. Bad. Yeah. And I was like, uh, there's the West Side, whatever, that's coming out later this year. I was like, I'll West watch Side it. But Story. I, I'll, I won't say I'm not into the musicals. Yeah. You should watch the original of that. It's very boring, actually. The happiest, oh. the happiest person about in the Heights this weekend was Steven Spielberg, because oh. because his West Side Story remake is coming out later this year, or next year, or something like that. And the New York musical can only get better from from here. This was this is a boring movie. It was way too fucking long. There's a not long. a single. There's not a single memorable song that anybody 000. is going to remember. So from this can film, I just Abe remembers some songs. Push back on. So there's a song, and it was winning the lotto, and it was in the amount of ninety six thousand, and they're doing a big number in the pool, and and I'm thinking like, was this movie written like in the nineteen forties? Like. Ninety six thousand is no, a lot of money. No, it was a while ago, though. But it's but like ninety six thousand. It's not. It's not nothing. worthy of a song. It's just like, hey, I got ninety six thousand. <laughs> like all of the singing and the dancing. But apparently, ninety six is like a signifier. There, I was watching some. I watch a lot of in the heights related stuff, and uh, the actor was on uh, Terry Gross's show. Uh, but apparently 96th Street is like the line of demarcation mm-hmm. for Lin-Manuel, whatever. So it's like uh, below that is all the richer, rich sure. people. And so the 96,000 was kind of a also, thing you know, to that. Sounds better than 96 million. Right. <laughs> is, I think In, the, the more important thing. The reason why I was watching it a second time, because in that, that song, 96,000, there's a part where the, the guy who played Jack Bowers... You know, whatever the next guy, Black Bauer, like, because he was like on twenty four after Jack Bauer no, left. No, no, no. What? Yeah, the the guy, the black guy. Okay. Was he took over for Jack Bauer in twenty four? Okay, but this isn't Anyways. the universe of twenty four right. that you're. But acting. that's how okay. I know him. Anyway, okay. So that guy, Black Bauer, he was talking about what he would do and how easy his life would be, and he would be playing uh, golf with Tiger Woods, right? But in the mm-hmm. original play, that Tiger Woods part was Donald Trump, and they changed <gasps> it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Wow. Be- and then they asked uh, Lynn manuel why did you change it? Basically, it's like, back then, uh. Donald Trump was just like an <laughs> avatar for just some rich fuck, you know? Yeah. So, like, it's a good throwaway line. But now that he's president... Like, no, no, no. It was a weird... Reference, so they got rid of that. Um, it sounds but, like uh, it sounds like Lin Manuel Miranda is hiding uh, that small little bit of influence that he might have had in building the yep. legend that was Donald J. Trump <laughs> that led to him becoming the president of the United States. Do you think it would have benefited if they just did like what they did with Hamilton and just recorded 
a stage play? No. So actually, I thought that the I thought that all of the production design stuff perfect. was really good. I thought okay. that the act the acting was largely good. The lead, he was great. I could not like imagining having to endure Lin Manuel Miranda as the lead in that would just be completely unfucking bearable. Uh, but so the he's guy too who, old for for that now. He's too yeah. old for the. He's also part. not good at acting but or singing. Even yeah. 20 years ago, when he was more age-appropriate... he was the lead in the play. It would have yeah. been completely unacceptable. I do want to ruin this pleasant conversation that we're having about In the before Heights, you, which I... Before you do it, can I just make one quick comment? On, on the disappointing box office numbers, uh, somebody was saying... I don't know where I read this, but they're saying that this is kind of the perfect storm because it was expected to do, like... 30 million or 25 million or whatever and it did like 10 or 11 but people were saying like the target demo for this are probably the most cautious of all of the people so that they would also not go to the lazy. theater why would i go to a movie theater right. when i can watch it at home but when uh, that option was presented to people when king kong went against godzilla people were like i'll go to the movies for that because i guess the demographic for that is just like fuck it i'll go to the theater to watch that but not this i think if they release this in the fall i mean they would be running up against the west west side story so that's yeah. why they didn't but when people are no more it's a summer movie too it's yeah. about a hot summer you can't yeah. release that in no fall. and it's but it's not that good and that's what i'll keep coming back to which is that it's fine but it's not that good no, it's like fine. The, it's not a very good, good, good relative it's to not what? a good or interesting story there's no good or interesting songs in terms of like actual you know, catchy like one song not even the opening it was fine, but it wasn't. There's nothing that's like gonna live in my head for any extended period of time in the way that, even as much as I sort of loved to hate Hamilton, I can admit the. Catchy I, I, I AF. see the appeal, right? Right. With this, there's there's just it's just very flat and not well, that it's interesting. It's almost like this is what the guy wrote right. that wasn't could, as good as, and then became Hamilton. Like it's the could, rough draft. Yeah. You could tell how much better he's gotten between the two. It's the two. same songs. Yeah. And you can sing along the and Hamilton this, lyrics right. to these songs. It's the this same song. This guy must really like Eminem. A lot of the songs sound like Eminem. No, like, he has like he has like three vocal melodies that he's able to write, and he just writes them over and over and over again, including in fucking Moana. Like he has, they're all the same goddamn song. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that movie. Don't ruin it for me. Anyway. Lin-Manuel has been required to eat a whole bunch of shit <laughs> because there weren't enough dark-skinned people in In the Heights. And I'm going to play a clip from an interview that the director was giving to someone who works at the website The Root, which is this clip went viral and eventually inspired Lin-Manuel Miranda to debase himself in front of the entire country by issuing a completely or unnecessary apology, but we'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to play the clip here, just a second. The late night should taste bees and rice. It's so hard to shave ice. I ain't going to say it twice. Turn up the street lights. We're taking the flight to a couple of days in the life for what it's like. Congratulations on In the Heights. It was a lovely musical, but as a black woman of Cuban descent, specifically from New York City, it would be remiss of me to not acknowledge the fact that most of your principal actors were light-skinned or white-passing Latinx people. So with that, what are your thoughts on the lack of black Latinx people represented in your film? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that was something uh, we talked about and um, and I needed to be educated about, of course. In the end, you know, when we were looking at the cast, we tried to get the people who were best for those roles and that specifically, and we saw a lot of people, people like Daphne or Dasha. But I hear you on, um, you know, trying to fill those cast members with darker skin. I think that's that's I think that's a a, 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 a really good conversation to have something that we should be all be talking about. I didn't realize until making this movie. All right, I... so I'll stop it there. But, like, <laughs> I know that acknowledging, right, that we were all raised wrongly to believe in Martin Luther King's belief in judging a person by the, uh, the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. But the fact that it is now necessary to say things like, I needed to be educated in such this is an Asian fella. He's a the, the director is an Asian yeah. guy who says that he needed to be educated as a guy who did crazy rich Asians and he also directed in the Heights. He needed to be educated so that he would choose people with darker skin to fill roles in his movie. That that the primary concern should have been making sure that people with darker skin got prominent roles in the film strikes me as like it just goes against everything right. that I'm that I not just have been taught to believe but that I understand about how to be a moral person in the universe right and it's just it's awful and I feel bad for the person doing the interview who believes that she has this moral high ground and will probably believe it for the rest of her life, right? That she's she is so thoroughly indoctrinated into this way of thinking, in the, into this ideology, that she believes that she's struck a blow against the white supremacist hegemony by pointing out the fact that there weren't enough dark-skinned people in an important role, as if that's what fucking matters, right? This is a person who so has thoroughly swallowed that that's what fucking matters, and it just bums me out for her more than anything else. You know, I, I'm when I read about this pushback, I, I thought the whole thing was going to be about uh, well-acclaimed. You know, I mean, it was highly reviewed or well reviewed but it didn't do good at the box office and I thought that would be the story and then everybody was talking about this not enough the right kind of black person in I was like what like I didn't even when I was watching it that thought didn't cross my mind but then I was okay let's get past that what is a an effective but polite way to answer that question without you know apologizing for no reason like cuz the honest way would be like that. That wasn't a consideration. You want me to just hire somebody because they're dark enough skin? Like we were trying to find a cast that could do all the things we were going to ask of them, and that they had, you know, a chemistry. Oh, whatever. All the considerations. And what that the they, fuck they, is what the fuck is white passing? By the way, like what, because right. I, at no point did I mistake any of the principal leads Vanessa in this movie white for being. For right. being white, like, is, and is, is that is that is that me being doubling down on my own white supremacist racism by saying that none of the principal leads in this movie would pass for white? Like, no, the thought didn't fucking occur to me until you brought it up. But, so uh, who's the racist here, lady? Appar no, but, but apparently this is a thing. I was not. There's a lot of things I'm not aware of, but within the people of color sphere, there seems to be this thing, colorism or whatever, right? So I would assume that they're talking about. Uh, the the 
fashion model girl, uh, Vanessa. No, I, I, uh, I know that she's lighter skinned and that right. people who are darker skinned will give her shit for being white passing. But that was not a white role, right? right. It's not like she played up, she didn't play up her, her passing accent or whatever. Right, but that's what I'm saying. That she like, would need your, to do. your answer is honest, but you would get a lot of flack if you were the director or Lynn Manuel. So that's off the table. If you pointed to, you weren't complaining when we had dark skin, uh, you know, founding fathers when we did That's Hamilton, the thing. right? Like, are you looking for realism? Because they have to totally recast Hamilton if you're right, looking yeah. for the that, that, the yep. character skins to match the actor's skins. Because, right. I mean, maybe it's not the same project, but like, it, it's a different. Pro- but but you would think that people would have some sort of like. These people don't have some, or any malicious intent in their casting, right? Which is what it sounds like. They're saying, oh, we're just trying to find white passing Latino types instead of having a different mix. Because this could have been easily solved. I mean, there's a lot of background characters. They could have just, if they were cynical about their process, they could have just had a, you know, a number of, let's make sure we hit a dark skin this and, yeah. and this number of women. And is that a better product? Just because you check some boxes and you just have a couple of people, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know what they're asking for, but I still haven't heard a polite way to tell people to fuck off. Where you're basically kind of taking in. I think in- we'll be looking for a polite way to tell people to fuck off forever. I mean, right. bless your heart but is they the closest want- you get. <laughs> but I, the problem is that the people who are getting these questions, like Lynn manuel and, and John Chu, I think is his name, they want to still be in this polite company, right? So they're never going to tell people to fuck off or I've done enough for the blacks or whatever, you know. But there isn't an effective way to answer it. And that's why I think they fall back to groveling and, and apologizing and I need to educate myself. I need to make myself more aware or maybe I should use my line. It was an oversight and, you know, push past it. But there, the reason why they're going to that apology thing is because there isn't another way to say – you know, it sounded like what he was saying was that we cast based on merit. Yeah. And he got flack for that. And that's why Lin-Manuel had to follow up and just say, you know, our bad. In try- this is from Lin-Manuel Miranda's apology. In trying to paint a mosaic of this community, we fell short. I'm truly sorry. I'm learning from the feedback. I thank you for raising it, and I'm listening. I'm trying to hold space for both the incredible pride in the movie we made and be accountable for our shortcomings. Thanks for your honest feedback. I promise to do better in my future projects, and I'm dedicated to the learning and evolving we all have to do to make sure we are honoring our diverse and vibrant community. Lynn Manuel Miranda, he will they will what he doesn't understand is that they will never be satisfied. That there's no, there is no <laughs> Oh, he's got he a song about song. that. <laughs> there's no there's nothing that he could have done that was going to satisfy everyone at every turn. And I don't know how somebody like him doesn't, aside from the, again, the voracious appetite or tolerance for humiliation, doesn't just take the nice pile of money that he's made and go away forever. Because why would you continue to create 
art in this field if this is what the response is going to be. If the one person who you can point to in the pop culture over the course of the last 20 years who is more directly responsible for the elevating of diverse voices and diverse actors and for, for taking people from relative obscurity and giving them really terrific roles that they can sink their teeth into, that they win Tonys for, that they win Oscars for... That's the guy that you're going to be fucking mad at? Are you out of your fucking mind? I think because he, while, yeah, right this second we're talking about this criticism, he knows people love him, you know? And I I think most people know that this line of questioning is bullshit, but again, I go back to, if I was advising him, I would say this is probably your best course of action. I mean, the... Taking your money right, and but leaving that, is not... But that, that speaks to an, in, an inauthenticity in the culture that will be exploited by the absolute worst actors and they Ain't, won't be fucking that, wrong about that's it. True. And it. That's and true. And I don't want to start in 2021 talking about how this is how we get Trump again in 2024, 2025. But fucking, for Christ's sake, people, this is how we get Trump again in 2024 and 2025, which is that you allow yourselves to be eaten alive by completely disingenuous bullshit. And instead of standing up and saying, look, we made the thing that we made, we think it's fucking great, and fucking eat shit and die if you're going to... Call, if you're going to call me a secret racist, I'm I, like you're out of your goddamn mind. Again, that I would say that is the right thing to do, but it's not worth fighting over. So you give an empty calorie apology. I mean, you are conceding the point to somebody who's making a terrible point. But until they come up with a better way to handle this, and I think more people should be like in that line of work, the Lin Manuel's, because if they're going to come after him. They're going to come after anybody. They don't take into consideration any sort of resume like, okay, this person is well-meaning and maybe we can set them aside and say on this one issue or in this one project you did A, B, and C. Any opportunity they see to write an article or to have a podcast or to tweet, someone will complain about whatever and then – one of those complaints and will but, become but viral. It's incumbent, it's incumbent upon the rest of the culture when the attention economy rears its ugly ass head, which it always will, and it always has, right? Whether it's this lady doing her thing or whether, who knows what it was 20 years ago. It's not fucking new and it's not fucking different. The thing that's different is a complete spinelessness of response by the people who know better. And that's that's the sort of thing that we're talking about last week. That's what ties it in with the whole larger stupid cancel culture nonsense, which is that it should just you should just be allowed to say, get the fuck out of here with this right. nonsense. Right. It's it's but it's not. It's not permissible. That cannot be the response. Not until they they'll, they'll figure it out. I, I, it reminds me of uh, was it the New York Jets? There was some team that implemented like the jet sweep in the nfl and for like a few weeks like no defense could figure out like what this bullshit high school nonsense but it was effective because the nfl defenses didn't have an answer but eventually they figured it out and and no one used it after a certain period i think this is like a a problem that can be solved once they kind of find their footing and then they can start pushing back but this can't go on for much too longer at some point there's going to have to be some pushback because if you, you're right, if you let it, if you keep on apologizing for things you don't believe you should apologize for. It's the sort of thing that eats, it eats at a, and I, I don't want to talk in such broad terms, but this is the sort of thing that eats at a culture where you have something like 
a vast majority of people who Lin Manuel says the thing, and he knows that he doesn't really mean it. That he right. that that the thing that he's saying is that he's copping to is actually bullshit, and so does. Like the overwhelming majority of people, whether they go, whether they agree with him or not on on their politics. So the conservatives recognize this as largely bullshit. The liberals recognize this as largely bullshit. You haven't actually satisfied the insane 10% of the people that you're actually trying to apologize to, to get them off your nuts. So so literally no one believes that anyone else is telling the truth or acting in good faith in the moment. That is... That is destructive on a level that that can't be overstated. And it seems crazy to have to say it after five years of Trump. Like, have we learned nothing that it's important to tell the truth in this world? That that ultimately, if you can just tell the truth, then you will be doing some good. And groveling before bullshit is not doing anybody any good. Right. Maybe it could have just said we went about this process honestly, and that was not our intention to, you know— exclude any group but it still would have sounded like an apology so i think they basically landed where it's just like until we figure it out let's just get just put out this fire and worry about tomorrow (laughs) i i recognize how they got there i'm saying it's fucking terrible that that's where they landed i'm i'm saying that the the path of least resistance here is a is a path to bad things and i like i said i don't like to blow it up into bigger than it is but it just i will say though you don't have to get it right all in one day there's plenty of time that this will correct itself this will be fine you both keep saying that that it's just gonna go away and i just (laughs) no it will resolve itself it'll sort itself out anyway you uh you got anything else for us tonight abe nope i guess that's all we've got for tonight then and we'll talk to you next time later what the fuck is wrong with people? <laughs> Everyone. The the whole complete unwillingness to call a spade a spade. Because it which it is, just you're just kind of feeding into it because there it's not a rational line of argument. So if you respond yeah, but, in a rational so, way so, but what, what is she gonna say to his apology it's and what she cheap. says is oh that's it, it it becomes like like what the director said i don't think uh, it got too much play but basically what he said that basically we hired based on merit or what, however he phrased it there was pushback not just by the original person who posed it but some other asshole takes a you know takes over and they'll say oh what are you saying dark-skinned people aren't talented enough for your stupid fucking musical and it just becomes nonsense like so instead of just feeding into like you're not in a position to make the case in this environment because it's not about you being right or being wrong it's just who can be the most obnoxious and you're going to lose that battle and so just fight the battle some other time like i said there will come a time where people will be calm and they'll look back just like they have in other situations. Like, remember when you guys are being dicks, like this fucking Twitter handle, and they probably have some history, and they'll get their comeuppance at another time. You don't have to get it all today is all I'm saying. In like a year or two, you'll look back, remember this one asshole who was making a whole scene? I, I would agree with you if we hadn't fundamentally changed the way that humans interact with humans over the course of the last generation. Like, it, it, the, the mechanisms for self-correction has been thrown out 
in favor of the algorithms that only reinforce the bad behavior. Right. So, so where I think that you would have these normal ebbs and flows of, of moral panics in the culture at large that would just sort of come and go naturally, if you're instead designing systems that are designed to exploit the worst tendencies in the human being, then you're going to get that as the result. But you don't, And I, I don't... Eventually, it's going to impact enough people to where you'll have a large number of people saying, fuck this. I mean, that Chrissy Teigen person is eating a lot of shit lately, right? Because of, I don't know, what I, whatever she did in the past, right? And she probably, until it happened to her, she would have been the, one of those to say, oh, yeah, people should be called to account and blah, blah, blah. But now it happened to her. She's probably going to change her tune. It's going to impact enough people. No, she's not. She's going oh. to continue to be awful on the internet because that's what uh, helps her. We'll see. She's not usually awful. Screenshots tell a different story. <laughs> oh, they can be usual. misleading. They don't tell what's usual. Anyway. She's usually just yeah. funny. All right. Good night. Good night. I'm personally experiencing a constant ongoing trauma. Thanks for asking. How are you? <laughs>